Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Hello, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. In this segment, we're going to talk specifically to your lady, uh, to you ladies about your career. And all of us know that the days are long past when we men were the... Uh, sole or principal breadwinners in our household, and most women cut short their careers to stay at home raising kids and baking pies. <laughs> but despite tremendous advances, an enormous male-female workplace opportunity gap still exists. And across the spectrum of Fortune 500 companies, men still outnumber women by huge numbers, especially in leadership roles and leadership gains for you ladies are occurring ever so slowly. In fact, a 2015 McKinsey study concluded at the current rate of change, it will take women 100 years to reach parity with men in the C-suite. And, uh, but are employers solely to blame for not doing enough to balance the equation? Well, my guest, Amara Lashik, says no. She asserts that you women may be holding yourselves back from career advancement, and she's here to explain some of the reasons why and also suggest what you can do uh, to help yourselves move up into leadership positions. And Tamara Lashik is not looking in from the outside. As a successful Wall Street professional, she's been there and done that. She has 20-plus years on Wall Street in various positions with multiple top-tier investment banks, including J.P. Morgan and Merrill Lynch. I bet you've heard of those. And 10 of those years were spent in human resources, during which she observed and counseled both men and women in developing their careers. She currently still works on Wall Street and keeps in touch with the ever-changing workplace, but she's also a career and leadership coach and a business consultant, and she's author of the widely acclaimed 2017 book, and I love this title, Lose the Gum, A Survival Guide for Women on Wall Street. And it's not just about Wall Street. She also offers sound advice for women working on Main Street as well in companies and nonprofit enterprises, large and small. And hello, Tamara Lashik, and uh, it's indeed an honor to have you with us today. Oh, the, the honor is mine. Thank you very much for having me. Well, let's begin with your personal study. On your website, you reveal that, in your words, my own missteps, which nearly cost me my career, taught me some harsh but valuable lessons. Please tell us a bit about those missteps, how you corrected them, and the lessons you learned. Right. So most of my missteps um, tended to be around personal branding. Oh. Um, I always thought that Wall Street in particular was all about being a meritocracy. And <laughs> I thought if I just performed and did my job exceptionally well, that I would, you know, be able to climb the ladder. Oh, yeah. I, I was wrong. <laughs> 
Um, there, you know, the world is filled with political games, and Wall Street is is one of those political games that also needs to be considered, and and the rules need to be played by. Yeah. Um, the problem is the rules aren't necessarily written rules. They no. are rules that are subtle, and they are embedded within a company's culture. Yeah. And if you don't fit into the company culture, then um, you you will not fit into the company and you will hold yourself back from a career perspective and you may even lose your job. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's so, so crucial. Well, what are some of the most common female behaviors that prevent women today from career advancement, pay raises, and promotions? Give us a few of those. Yeah, I think the most common trait among women that holds them back is a lack of confidence. Oh, I see. I think that um, men are a lot more assertive than women in in not only asking for what they want, but taking what they want. And um, it's whether they're qualified or not, <laughs> they will they will really just go for it. Whereas women, you know, they're a bit more tenacious and timid around asking for what they want. Oh. They wait until they are absolutely a hundred percent certain that they're either ready for the role, um, able to do the role, or deserving for the role, whereas men always feel that they're always deserving for the role. <laughs> we men always are, are ready. <laughs> so there's, there's nothing like uh, waiting until you're totally deserving for a role, and there's nothing you grow into. <laughs> yeah, I think women women have women are challenged. I think um, personality wise, we don't tend to do that. Um, yeah. We tend to wait until we feel like we have all the skills. And sometimes, you know, there's not a hundred percent ready. You just gotta go. Yeah. And um, too much thinking can can also um, hold you back. Yeah, um, the old paralysis something. of analysis. Yes, analysis paralysis. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, but a lot around confidence, I would say. And the good thing for probably your listeners is I feel that women tend to get more confidence with age. Um, Yeah, I think women become much more comfortable in their skin. Um, They become much more self-assured with age. And um, I think that all the experience that they garnish through the years also gives them greater confidence. And I think that they, some of the insecurities that women have tend to fall away as as women um, get older. Well, that's so, great. Well, um, tell us there. You, you tell us there are five things women should never do in the workplace. What are these five things? <laughs> well, for starters, and it's debatable or controversial rather, but I think that women shouldn't cry. Um, I've worked with many people in uh, on Wall Street, and there's certain women who have a tendency to cry frequently, um, mm. whether they're given too harsh of feedback or they're just under a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, yeah. Wall Street is a very high-pressure environment to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, women tend to break down. And what that does is it makes people around them very uncomfortable. Yeah. It makes them difficult to manage. Managers don't want to give them, you know, um, direct and honest feedback because they're they're scared of the reaction. Um, coworkers don't necessarily want to work with them. They People walk on eggshells around them. Hmm. And it, it's just not constructive 
um, not constructive. No, I remember a woman years ago I worked with who said she wanted to be treated like one of the guys, but then when she didn't get a promotion she wanted, she started crying all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a good. I, I don't think it's a good. It's a good tactic, and you know if you want to be one of the guys and play with the boys, yeah. you, you can't. You can't then, you know, choose to use those behaviors. Um, Knowing that they could work, <laughs> um, you know, you tend to get what you want when you know that um, when you when you start becoming emotionally volatile, but in a way that's not constructive, and yeah, ultimately people begin to resent that. Yeah. Um, what are and, a couple of the other things women shouldn't do in the? Well, to go with the title of my book, I would say chew gum. <laughs> and that's that's just a metaphor that represents sort of the overall professionalism. I'll never forget, and I was in the Washington, D.C. area one time with a buddy, and some guy in a bar said, there's nothing around here but a bunch of gum-chewing secretaries from Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> Classic foot down. Not on Syracuse. Nothing wrong with that town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, there's still a stigma associated with chewing gum. It, it <laughs> certainly is considered something that cheapens a woman's look. Um, it, it's it's unprofessional. I mean, you see, you know, some of the young celebrities on television, they'll be in an interview and they're chewing gum, and all you see is that wad of gum going, you know, Especially bouncing around cool in their when mouth. You open your mouth and let them see the gum inside. You, you can't help it. When it's in your mouth and you're speaking, there's nowhere to really hide it. And it's just, you know, again, it, it, it tends to present an image not only cheapening a look, but it also is associated with young girls. And if yeah. you want to be taken seriously and, you know, treated like a mature adult, I would lose the gum. Yeah. What, what are, uh, give us one more I think you shouldn't do. Um, I, I would say bake cookies for the office. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, that and sort of reinforces your uh, feminine it, uh, it at does. home role. I think <laughs> I think in the workplace you want to you want to try to shed the domestic aspect of an image, and um, you want to really draw everyone's attention back to your professional skills. Yeah. It's often it's sometimes hard, particularly when you work with a lot of men. And, you know, men have ish men have problems just like women have problems, and they're comfortable talking to women because women are empathetic and sympathetic, yeah. and yeah. they're, you know, tend to be a good shoulder to cry on. So it's natural for those types of dynamics and relationships to form, and it's then natural for women to fall into those female-type roles and characteristics and yeah. take, on, take on that sort of maternal, you know, domestic, type role in the office like which is great oh, they, we need to go you, to lunch. You think of them as support but never really as leaders <laughs> exactly like even things like you know booking lunch you want to go to a team lunch and yeah. that role that that task always seems to fall with the woman you know um clients come in and there's there's you know, there's countless stories on this, even very senior women, you know, they're looked at when clients walk in hmm. for where's the coffee, oh. you know, and <laughs> um, it's it's funny because I'm extremely domesticated in my personal life. I even cry a lot in my personal hmm. life, but these are some things that I never do. And if someone looked at me and said, do we have coffee? I mean, I would certainly turn to the junior person <laughs> in the room and say, 
you know, fetch the coffee. Yeah. So, um, well, it's common belief in many companies, sometimes just below the surface, that there remains a phenomenon known as the boys' club or the old boys' club. In your experience, does the boys' club still exist, or is it a myth? And assuming mm-hmm. it, that it does exist, how best can you women ease your way into the club? Right. Well, it definitely still exists, for sure. Um, there's still, there's still, you know, I mean, particularly on Wall Street, there's still, the rules are still made by men. Um, it's still at the senior levels, majority, um, majority are men. So you yeah. do have that boys club. And, you know, the thing is people are comfortable around people that look like them. So, you know, <laughs> guys are very relaxed around guys and, they tend to find it easier to, you know, ask guys to take care of stuff and do things. And, you know, if you have a manager who's a manager who's male and then you work with other men, oftentimes they'll they'll give some of the bigger projects to their boys. So you yeah. do have a lot of that subtle bias. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one way that women can break in, and this is certainly more of an art than a science, yeah. is it, it still boils down to being likable. It's, you Amen. know, whether you're, you're, trying to do, you're trying to do client business and you're, you know, trying to get business and win deals or whether you're trying to break into that boys club at work, it's really about being likable. Yeah. Okay, so you know, so true. when they Especially want to when hang you out move with into you. a leadership role, although you can't just be likable, you obviously at times have to. Well, be if, if you're if you're in a leadership feedback. role, yeah, if you're in a leadership role, I would argue that you've sort of broken into that boys' club. But when you're mm-hmm. trying to get there, yeah. you know, you you know, guys, <laughs> men are very primal. They, you know, when they're hungry, they want to eat. They're not. There's not a lot of complexity and mystery about men. <laughs> Sorry to say. And the thing is that they want to hang out with people that they like. They don't want to be. They don't want to be um, hanging out with people that are difficult, that make their life life complicated, yeah, or that nag a lot, them. Like you said before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they want they want to hang out with people that they like, and you know. You've got to be. You've got to become one of those likable women. Yeah. You know, one that they're like, oh, she's cool. She's all right. You know, and yeah. and um, you know, I'm not saying necessarily be one of the boys um, to every on every single level. I mean, I've managed at times to get into boys clubs when I worked in investment banking, and there was times where we would have um, what's called a roast at a client closing dinner. And I would excuse myself to go to the ladies' room, having been the only woman in the room full of, you know, corporate CEOs and CFOs plus our whole banking team. And they would wait for the opportunity for me to leave the room in order to do the roast. And... Right, but when I would come back, they would have somebody guarding the door and not let me in until the roast was over. Oh, and I felt obvious bias. <laughs> well, I felt like it was a matter. I felt like it was a matter of respect. My yeah. bankers respected me, and oh, they okay. felt that some of the some of the sense of humor and this, you know, what would go on in the roast would be inappropriate, <laughs> and they didn't want 
to embarrass me in front of the clients, and it showed that they had a great deal of respect for me as a woman. Oh, that's interesting and, to look at it that way. But, uh, yeah, because um, I was very, I was in the boys' club for sure, and it's not like I didn't know what was going on because we discussed the roast, and I wrote some of the raunchy jokes for the roast. <laughs> yeah. But you know, delivering them in front of a woman, yeah. you know, would have really been perceived as an ungentlemanly thing. Well, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Well, in your in your book, you stress to the ladies the importance of creating their own professional brand. And how do you define this term? And and what can a successful woman of middle age, one who has been in her career ten years or more, do to establish her professional brand in order to move into senior leadership up in the ranks? Well, I think a woman most likely at a middle age would would already have a brand developed, particularly if she's been working at a company or in the workforce for a number of years. Yeah. I mean, brand. This, especially this book, is is really geared towards younger women who oh, are just sort of starting out and looking to um, looking to really climb the ladder. But sort of very early on, more not even climb the ladder yet. I would just say fit into the culture and not blow themselves up. But if you're middle-aged and you don't really know what your professional brand is, I think you need to uh, define what that is, what right. you've accomplished to date and what you're selling uh, as your capabilities. But, uh, sure. I mean, I think, you know, a professional brand would be, make first of all, starting with the ba- most basic exterior, making sure you're always professionally dressed, um, making sure your appearance, you know, you're always you're always neat, your clothes are pressed, there's no stains on it. Again, not really issues that I see a lot with older women, more yeah. younger women. Yeah. Um, younger men, too, um, tend to seem to look like they rolled out of bed um, and just came to the office, but really make sure that... Especially nowadays. I know, <laughs> I know. Less, I don't mind Wall Street. I guess they still wear suits, but in so many companies around the, the world <laughs> suits and ties seem to have disappeared. Yes, <laughs> my company does. And combing uh, hair. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you'd be you'd be surprised what rolls into the office. So, <laughs> um, yes. So you know, I would s- start with the physical appearance, and in terms of you know professional brand, it's it's everything. It's you know. You know, courtesy, common courtesy, returning phone calls, um, you know, just how you present yourself, speaking, demeanor, not swearing, you know, left, right, and center. Um, So if you're, you know, you're older, and again, a lot of this will be... um, will be intuitive because with years of experience, you naturally take on a certain role. Um, You know, so... You know, I, at, at a middle age, I would say be yourself because by now you've probably developed all the right, you know, all the right skills from a professional standpoint and from a life skill standpoint. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that, there's a, also the issue of a 46A woman, year old woman or whatever, um, who's just returning to the workplace from raising a family. Uh, how does that kind of a person uh, develop a, a professional brand when they have been out of the workforce? for some time. Did you go back and emphasize what you did years ago, or uh, can you somehow translate the personal skills of being a manager at home and raising children into a brand? Yeah, 
I mean, it's it's certainly tough to break into the to break into your industry after having been out of the workforce for a number of years. Yeah. It's very challenging. I mean, what I would recommend women do is is really find companies that have a, a returnship program. Oh, a number of Wall Street firms have now developed yeah. these programs where they're specific programs for women who have taken time off to raise families. Um, yeah. But had you know wonderful careers before they left, and it helps bring them back into the fold oh, um, and finds them roles. So I yeah. would specifically look, and and most industries do have do have them. Not every company has them, yeah. but there are companies within the industry that you know do focus on on you know just like now it's it's there's companies that also have um, programs to bring vets back into. Yeah into the workforce as well. So yeah. there there will be those kinds of programs and they're very good because once you once you get once you get that foot back in the door, you know, everything else seems to fall into place. So well, let's let's talk about a problem currently in the forefront with the Me Too movement. As you put it, who is inadvertently encouraging harassment in the workplace? Well, I think that's that's an interesting question, and I have to say, I mean, look, going back to my comment on men being primal, yeah. um, men tend to behave in a primal way. Now, they've gotten better through the years for sure. Um, we've socialized them quite nicely, but sometimes their primal instincts do come out, and especially when you have a little bit of um of a group environment and a bunch of boys on the trading floor, a bunch of guys on the trading floor. Or especially you know, when alcohol is present. <laughs> well, for parties. sure. Well, that's a whole different story <laughs> when alcohol is present. Yeah, I will get into that. <laughs> yeah, but assuming no one's drinking during the day, let's let's focus first on on the day. Um, I think that um, you know companies, particularly on Wall Street, have gotten much better because. Um, I think in the early 90s, there were a lot of lawsuits about inappropriate behavior. And so um, very, you know, so for a number of years already, Wall Street firms had implemented strict policies around behavior. So that has improved for sure. I think, though, that it does still exist in pockets for sure. Um, And, you know, this is another thing where I can't only blame men. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on this topic in particular um, because people have asked me to add more information on it in my book. And I've interviewed a number of women, and it reminded me of, you know, when I was in banking. And I I recall, you know, again, men don't have – men don't necessarily have limits. And women tend to manipulate. So what what, – there's a woman who's younger and attractive and the boss is showing some kind of interest and is flirting with her, you know, again, that's inappropriate, but the the woman senses that, wow, he's, he's, he's showing interest. Let me use this to my advantage. Maybe I'll get a better project. Maybe I'll get noticed. Maybe I'll get a better bonus. And so they flirt back and they then 
say, you know, I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm just going to flirt back, but I'm really not going to do anything. Yeah, and yeah, that line often gets blurred. This is very right. quickly, very <laughs> quickly, because then it's, you know, you have a conference somewhere or a business trip, and yeah. you're traveling with the boss, and he says, "Come up to my room and and you know, come get this," and then this yeah, is where the drink is. Tomorrow's involved. presentation up in my room. <laughs> exactly. And then you're like, well, I'll go up or come have a drink in my room. We've already been drinking after dinner. And, yeah. and you know, you're like, okay, but one drink. And, you know, you're playing this game. You're doing this dance. And, you know, you're blurring that line. And yeah. that's the fastest way to get yourself into into a position that you may not want to be in. Um, because again, knowing that a man generally will not stop. So, you know, you have to be the one that draws those boundaries. Yeah, very true. Um, so I think that's, that's important, but you know, I can't just say that men are to blame. No, so, no, that's, that's not fair either. <laughs> it's either not. And the other, the other issue, um, you know, I've, I went back and sort of, researched in my mind all the times that, you know, as people have said inappropriate things to me. And I think I even document this story in my book. Um, I went down to the trading floor and, a, and an older gentleman said, you know, oh, wow, you look great in, in this dress I was wearing. And yeah. he's like, turn turn around. Let me check you out. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I was going to say complimenting you on the dress I think is okay, but telling you to turn around. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And... <laughs> The thing is, it happened so quickly, and I've analyzed this several times in my head. What My response was very swift, and it was very aggressive, um, and it was a funny but, um, you know, with a few swear words in there, yeah. and it was very pointed and very, very swift, and mm. the whole trading floor laughed, <laughs> and I thought back – if I had actually turned around because just I was so sort of taken back by the comment, yeah. I would have been really angry at myself for doing it. Yeah. But luckily, I didn't have that situation. And I left the desk, and this woman who observed the whole thing, a young girl, called me. And she was like, how did you do that? You are my hero. Oh. And it made me realize that there's a lot of women who are working in this, this male-dominated industry, but they can't speak up or can't speak for themselves and they can't defend themselves and they're just you know they're just more timid and that's one of the reasons I even wrote the book because I felt like I'm one of these women who actually can you know has the balls to speak up yeah well let's say say your boss has crossed the line is it is it possible for women to uh, strongly express their displeasure without uh, damaging their career permanently or that that seems to be a tough tough challenge to, to meet yeah it, it's 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 definitely it's definitely a a tough challenge a challenge for sure and you have to also you look at every situation um every situation independently um yeah. you know is is your boss just a player does yeah. he does he sort of hit on everybody yeah. um is it exclusive to just you um you know companies companies today i mean this is why they have an hr department if you yeah. really feel um vulnerable and that your career is in jeopardy then you should certainly escalate it through you know your company's um protocols 
Um, but it, it, it is it is certainly tricky. I mean, I've been in a situation where I've been hit on by a boss, and I was, you know, flat out said, look, this ain't happening. Hmm. And it was okay. It blew over. Yeah. So um, there's certainly situations where it can work. I think long-term, you're out. respected by doing that. It, uh, it may be painful in the short term, but I would think that's the only way really to handle it long-term. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think you just have to hit it. You have to hit it head on. Um, and, you know, again, this is where women tend to be timid. They don't yeah. They don't like to, you know, be direct with, with you know, th- they may give an excuse. Well, I can't because, you know, and then yeah. again, that, that, <laughs> that, leave, that leaves the door open in a man's mind. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe there's a shot. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can work her. Maybe the next time it'll work. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the next time. Maybe I can wear her down, you know. <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, you, you need to be really, you need to be really direct and really clear. Well, and let, I let, think. I don't mean that we've sort of run out of time. Let's turn to where the rubber meets the road. How would you advise a dedicated female middle manager seeking to move up to executive management? Can she maintain her feminine competence and uh, nurturing qualities while at the same time thinking and communicating as men do? How does she balance these two sides of her personality without experiencing a nervous breakdown? Is it possible? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely is possible. I I think that um, although I I say that, you know, women have certain attributes that tend to sabotage their career, and some of those, you know, are very feminine-type qualities, generally speaking, I think that the feminine qualities that women do do possess are very beneficial, and they're um, also very beneficial to the bottom line. And that uh, you know, a lot of the customers are women, and people we deal with are women. So that uh, absolutely, a totally male-dominated uh, culture doesn't make any sense at all, really. It really doesn't. You really start losing the diversity of thought, and you do lose you do lose some of those qualities that women bring to the table that are excellent qualities. Um, I mean, I think that the fact that women have you know empathy and compassion um, also you know makes them makes them very effective in in their roles and as effective as managers. Um, I think that the way women communicate is much more effective than the way men. First of all, I think that um, from a volume standpoint, women tend to communicate much more than men. And I think that women are are also very effective communicators. Um, So I think there's a lot of qualities. I mean, you know, I, I... I would never tell a woman to not embrace her feminine qualities. I mean, I consider myself, as much as I've been one of the boys, I consider myself a, a feminine woman. And I, I, you know, I don't dress like a man. I don't wear business suits that, that make me look like a man. I, I mostly wear dresses that are very feminine. So I'm very comfortable in my skin and being a woman. Um, but I can be a very tough woman that men tend to respond to as well. That's the ideal goal, I would think. Well, let's talk about your acclaimed 2017 book, Lose the Gum, A Survival Guide for Women on Wall Street. Well, you're still alive and well on Wall Street after 20 years, and as a career coach, you inspire others. You must keep very busy. What inspired you to take time out and write and promote your book? 
Well, I was very passionate about the the subject. Um, when I was in HR, I had become a mentor to a lot of the women who were coming into the training programs. Yeah. And even after the training programs, I would follow their careers and we would continue, you know, to keep and maintain the relationship. Oh. And um, a lot of them would would start to get frustrated with their careers and the progression of their careers around the vice president level, and they would leave the firm and the industry. And I was getting frustrated that I was spending a lot of time mentoring these women, and they were just throwing in the towel. Hmm. Um, But I also had observed that a lot of them were... were, exemplifying this behave, some of these behaviors that were shutting themselves out as well. So that's sort of what inspired me to write the book. And it, it, it was tough because I do work, you know, a 12 hour day, um, you know, sometimes a little less, oftentimes more. Um, but I had made a commitment to do this and woke up every day at 4.30 in the morning. Every weekend, every holiday, every vacation um, was spent writing. So it was a huge commitment. Um, well, give our female listeners one or two nuggets of uh, the types of career advice they'll gain from your book. You don't have to go into any great detail, but just give, them, give us a feel for some of the things. Well, the one, the one, um, the one chapter that I tend to get a lot of feedback on is um, negotiating. Oh, um, yeah. I do give um, some tips and techniques on on negotiating. So yeah, you that's, say women are not good at that often. And no, and and many. Themselves. Yeah, and many states are now have now changed the law where uh, a company, when interviewing, cannot ask for salary history, mm. and there's there's action. This this is done. Um, because they they believe women starting out tend to start at a lower salary, and then Uh this perpetuates the problem because you usually get your next job salary based on your last job salary. So if you're already starting at a lower base, they will only give you a certain percentage increase. So the thought is that they would would alleviate that. However, there's a fear that this will actually increase the gender pay gap because men are so much more aggressive in negotiating and women are so much less aggressive so when a yeah when a company asks a a man he will you know what do you want to get paid you know he's just going to go for the go for it whereas a woman will be like well you know i kind of want this but you know i don't want to be greedy and maybe i should ask for less and stuff so there's fear that that will actually increase the gender pay gap that's a great uh, I also like in, in your book how you talk about uh, how to create a professional brand and uh, how to uh, get the job you want and the promotion you deserve and all those things are so essential for women. And, uh, and where should people uh, go to purchase your book? Where's the best place to find it? Oh, you can buy it right on Amazon. Oh, um, you could buy it on Balboa Press website or BarnesandNoble.com. Okay, um, But you can now, buy it on Amazon. Where could we go to learn more about you or maybe to retain you as a career coach? Do you have a website we can go to? I or? do. I do. My website is TamaraLashCheck.com. So just my name.com. Okay, that sounds simple enough to do. Well, to conclude, more than half of the population in the USA and throughout the world is female, and more than half of recent college graduates, as well as those presently attending college, also are females. 
So it only makes sense that you ladies should play a prominent role in commerce, including leadership at the very top. And all research supports the business case for gender diversity. Yet this simply uh, women career women don't uh, remain at a disadvantage, and it doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, and, but the, all of us know that ingrained business culture and protocols are nearly impossible to change. And the message to you, career women, from my guest, Tamara Lashik, is clear. Ladies, fully respect yourself and proudly display both your gender-neutral gender professional competency plus your unique strengths as a female. Explore and understand the particular culture that exists then consistently demonstrate how you add value and why you deserve to lead. In other words, blow your own horn, but realistically, uh, based on your qual uh, capabilities. And most important of all, show how you can both inspire and lead your coworkers, male and female, to get the job done. And for sage advice from a gal who has been there and done that, 20 years of success and leadership in a male-dominated Wall Street, I highly recommend you uh, preview and purchase Tamara Lashik's book, Lose the Gum. And thanks a million, Tamara, for your inspiration and best success in spreading the word. Thank you so much, and thank you for that absolutely perfect summary. I couldn't have said it better myself. So you ladies can and should lead, so for goodness sake, stop sabotaging your careers. <laughs> that was great. My guest, Tamara Lashik, uh, clearly spelled out how you ladies can stop holding yourselves back from your rightful place as co-equals in leadership of American businesses and not-for-profits. And before we close the program, I'd like to talk briefly to you female listeners about accumulating and managing your money specifically how you should target your investments in various stages of middle age from right around 40 up until retirement. And obviously, we're just talking generalities here. First, I'm not qualified as a financial advisor. And second, even if I were, I couldn't advise you without thoroughly analyzing your current assets and liabilities, family circumstances, lifestyle and obligations, and long-term objectives. But here are some suggestions I came across in a great article in the March 2018 issue of Money Magazine, all about women managing their money at various ages. In your 40s, make sure you're on track to grow your nest egg. You still need to grow that some. You have a number of years to do that. And as child care costs go away, here's a great idea. Use that money to catch up on retirement. Protect both your assets and your earning power while growing them, and invest-to-grow investment strategy makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And please, don't neglect uh, supplemental life and disability insurance. You need to keep that money coming in, obviously. And make sure your career and salary don't peak too soon. That's what my interview with Tamara Lashik was all about, wasn't it? Here's a shocking statistic. Did you know the average woman's salary in America peaks at age 40, 15 years earlier than men? Well, that just doesn't cut it. Uh, freshen your skills and brush up on salary negotiation, ladies. How about in your 50s? Well, you should begin planning for retirement if you haven't already. What will you need to retire comfortably, and how will you get there? And what are your plans in retirement? You need to start with that. Talk with qualified financial advisors to determine your number, as they call it, and don't neglect to factor, 
factor in inflation because even two to three percent per year as it accumulates adds up and plan now for potential life care needs later in life or medical emergencies and if you're going to buy long-term care insurance for goodness sake buy it now not later when you're no longer eligible or it's way too expensive i wouldn't go shopping for long-term care insurance when i'm about 70 years old <laughs> and really go for it in your career you have fewer commitments at home and people are much more likely to see mature women as leaders that's a proven fact now let's say you're in your early to mid 60s and you're at or nearing actual retirement well start thinking about your post career or your retirement income strategy with your advisor create a realistic strategy to tap into yet conserve all that money you've saved and you may want to consolidate your retirement accounts into one place and withdraw money in a tax-efficient manner. Taxes make a difference, obviously, when you pull uh, the money out. And, of course, you have to take those required minimum distributions from the IRAs. Plan out your retirement goals before you retire. And remember, you're retiring from your job, not from life. And anticipate how your spending needs will change over the years as you have a fulfilling and wonderful uh, number of years in retirement and remember you and your husband if you're married and uh, either uh, not uh, either widowed or divorced you're in charge of reaching your financial goals so live like the boss because you are the boss and pre-retirement here are a couple of closing thoughts get your legacy in order review your documents wills trusts beneficiaries with an attorney and if you don't have those please uh, generate them right away and count on living for a long time because there's nothing worse than running out of money before you run out of time and downsize those things you don't really need and concentrate on what really matters to you and i trust that includes cherished relationships and giving of self to others that now is the time in life when you're really uh, you have the time in your hands and it's so much more fulfilling if you give yourself to others. And in closing, uh, I uh, urge you to routinely look and live, uh, routinely look and live on the bright side. And that's what my book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and this weekly program is all about. And here's a quote from one of our favorite comic strip characters, at least mine, I don't know about you, Garfield the Cat. In a recent strip, Garfield tells himself, okay, so I'm turning 40. And that must be the strip, because cats don't live that long. But then Garfield assures himself, I suppose I should look on the bright side. Only 10 more years until I get the senior citizen's discount at Donut Barn. <laughs> and I guess that's just one more reason why middle age can be your best age. Talk to you again next week. Look on the bright side and never forget middle age can be your best age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 